I've been following the adventure blog for a very long time now, and when I heard that Craig Becker was starting his own podcast about adventure sports, I wanted to have him on to talk about his passion for the outdoors. This new podcast is a great way to live vicariously through other adventurers and to stay up to date on the news and sports of adventure. You can find the adventure blog at theadventureblog.blogspot.com. The adventure podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search for The Adventure Podcast. Welcome to uh, Trekkers Life. My name is Brendan Ingle, and I'm sitting down today with Craig Becker, who runs the Adventure Blog and a new podcast that he just started. Hi, Craig. How you doing, Brendan? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the Adventure Blog and your new podcast and everything that you do? Uh, well, I'm currently a, a freelance outdoor and adventure travel writer, um, but I didn't start that way. Uh, I started the blog, uh, the adventure blog, like 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, uh, on a whim. It was just kind of something I wanted to do for fun and as a side project. Over the years, it kind of picked up some steam and got some attention and started to garner a bit of an audience, and um, I just keep working at it, but then I started getting offers to contribute to other sites and magazines and things, and soon turned my little corner of the internet into a kind of a cottage industry. I was doing some freelance writing on the side. And a few years ago, I was in the midst of making a move and decided to try going freelance full time and have done that. And for like the last almost four years now, I've been uh, writing full time and getting a chance to cover cool outdoor places and visit some amazing places all over the world and re re uh, review gear. And Oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where do you live it, now then? Uh, I'm in um, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, not far from the Smokies. So you get there a lot, I take it? Uh, on, on occasion, not as much as I'd like. Um, you know, it's still a few hours drive from here, but it's a um, beautiful place up there. You know, I, I do a lot of traveling with my job, so when I'm home, I like to be home yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Do you have a favorite place then that you like to get to? Um, in the area or... or uh, just in general. Just in general. Favorite part of the country, favorite part of the world? Well, for the country, I would say my favorite place is um, uh, Montana in general and maybe more specifically the Yellowstone area. I love yeah. it out there. It's it's beautiful. It's one of the greatest uh, natural environments I've ever been to. Um, if we expand it worldwide, it gets a lot harder. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> um, was... I've, I've, gotten, I've been lucky enough to really visit a lot of cool places and uh, it's really hard to sing, signal, sing, single one out over all the others. Uh, I was just in Yellowstone for my honeymoon. It was beautiful there. The wife's not into much of the hiking and adventure stuff that I'm into, but we did get to see a lot of the sights and stuff there. Yeah, it's great. The wildlife is fantastic. Um, it's just beautiful landscapes. Um, my wife has not been there yet, so we're planning a trip next year to go. Oh, perfect. Um, 
yeah, so get get the chance to introduce her to some. Of, she hasn't been to some of the national national parks out in the uh, western part of the country. So we're we're hopefully going to do that in 2018. We'll see. We, we've got it on our agendas. So I've been following your blog for years and years now. It's wonderfully done and everything. And I like your writing and the your style and approach to everything. And then recently you've started this podcast. And what made you want to start that and get into that whole side of things? Uh, you know, over the last few years, I've really been listening to podcasts a lot. And I really have fallen in love with the medium. It's, as you as you know, it's a pretty cool way to tell stories and meet cool people and uh, share lots of interesting ideas and tell story, you know, like it's just something new. The Obviously I've been writing for a long time yeah. um, and I was kind of looking for some new challenges and something different to kind of tell the stories in a little bit different way. So uh, after thinking about it for quite a, quite, quite some time, probably a year or better, I finally decided to give it a go. Um, we've put out a, as you've listened already, we've put out a, uh, what we're calling a pilot episode, episode zero, while we work out some of the technical kinks, you know, and uh, I think we've got those kind of solved now. Uh, And we're getting ready to do our official first episode. We actually did one last week and um, had some technical issues in post that (laughs) we lost pretty much all the audio and user error. It's just one of those things that I, yeah, one of those learning curve things. And the, the hard part was the episode came out really well. Like we, we, we thought it was great. And it's a lot just, of good uh, content and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we chalked it up to a, um, a learning experience and we're going to revisit some of that content down the line, but uh, we're, we're going to move on with some new stuff this, this coming week. And we hope to have a second, you know, actual first official episode, but a second real episode out there in, in, later in a couple of days. So in that premiere episode, you covered a lot of adventure racing stuff. Are you big into that side of things? Yeah, more so. Um, I've like worked on some adventure races as media director and uh, uh, promoting the races and things. I've only done a couple of short races. And when I say short, we're talking six, eight hour races. Okay. Um, you know, in the adventure racing world, they can measure those races in days. And uh, my co-host on the podcast is a, man, a guy named Dave Adlard. He and I have been friends for a long time. And in 2015, he was the race director for a major race up in Alaska called Expedition Alaska that went um, uh, seven days, you know, wow. 400 miles uh, on foot, mountain bike, kayaking, you know, the whole works. And um, uh, I was the media director on that on that race as well. And it's just one of those things that it's one of those sports that when you discover it and you kind of follow it, you you can fall in love with it. The challenge is for the sport, and this has been going on for a number of years is how to convey the drama that comes along with it to an audience, because it's, you know, we had like 30 teams in expedition Alaska spread out over hundreds of miles and trying to get a camera crew out there to film what they're up to and follow follow everything is tough but uh, yeah it's a great sport it's an endurance sport that a lot of people don't really know a ton about and dave and i have a uh have a passion for it so we thought it would be a fun first episode to share that with uh some of our our listeners and the feedback's been great i've actually heard back from a number of people that are like man i've kind of want to do a race now and uh, i've been looking into this more which is exactly what what we kind of wanted to get out there is there a good entry-level race that people can look into you just kind of have to do a search um and the uh entry-level races like i said uh, they call them sprints and they can be anywhere from like four to 12 hours in length but you know obviously for a a first go i would recommend you do one of the shorter ones a four-hour race or something and um it's usually uh 
a running leg, you know, trekking on, a, on something that's only four hours. It's usually a, a trail running leg, a mountain biking leg, and a paddling leg with maybe a couple of other skills mixed in there, like climbing or something. But it's a great way to dip your foot in, into the water. Um, the hard One of the hard parts is not just like getting the experience and learning how this all works, but you need a lot of gear. It's a very gear intensive sport. You yeah. Need it sounds bike. like it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, usually kayaks are, are provided. Most of the race directors will provide a kayak, but you need your own mountain bike. You need your, all your gear to be self-sufficient out there. And that's not so bad on a, on a shorter trip or a shorter uh, uh, race like that. But the multi-day excursions the- sound a little bit more labor intensive and gear intensive yeah <laughs> exactly exactly you need a lot of stuff so there's it's kind of expensive to get started if you're when you start jumping up to that level it's not that expensive to get get going the first time a lot of us probably already own a mountain bike you know once you start down the path like anything like if you go into triathlons it's the same way that road bike that you love so well before all of a sudden you're like man i really need that really nice carbon fiber one that costs twice what I paid for this one, <laughs> you know, and it's the same in adventure racing, like all the gears, you want the lighter stuff, you want the best stuff. And, uh, but it's a great sport. It's really fun. The big races, there's a, there's a, it's called the adventure race world series. And it's kind of a group of races, 10 or 12 races from around the world that kind of loosely banded together to create a championship series. So in addition to all these, small races that you can find all over the place on almost any given weekend. You got these giant ones that are kind of like I was explaining earlier with Expedition Alaska. We were part of the AR World Series back in 2015. So teams go to these big races and compete, and then they have a world championship, which was held in Wyoming this year. It's the first time it was held in the U.S. at a race race called Cowboy Tough. But, um, yeah, so you got races in pretty much every on every continent except for Antarctica that you can – go to, you know, depending on how deep you go down the rabbit hole on this, on the sport. Is there a big pie in the sky one that you'd want to do someday? You know, I would love to go down. There's a, a race in South Africa that, uh, that I would love to go check out. Um, I, I actually, I'd love to see if we could bring back Expedition Alaska again for another edition. It's a, it's really tough to put it on. Um, those are kind of pie in the sky things, yeah. but you know, right now I don't have the, the time to train for something that's, uh, that requires these, these guys are endurance athletes to the extreme and, uh, finding the time to, 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 Seven to train days for it is, training kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know how hard it is to train for an Ironman. Um, uh, this is several levels above that, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's hard to find a good team. That's the other thing. Uh, we, we talked about this in the podcast that most of the major races, if you, if you do a sprint or short one, you can do it solo a lot of times. Yeah. But these bigger ones are always a team event, and they're usually teams of four. And you you need it, it's always co-ed, so you need at least one one man or one woman on the team. And most ninety plus percent of the time, it's uh, three men, one woman on the team. So, you know, getting like-minded, crazy folks that want to go out and do these things isn't always easy either. Especially if you can't train together, you're not in the same location. I'm assuming most of the time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the teams are like that. You know, yeah. some live together or live close by. Particularly, you'll have uh, husband and wife teams, or you know, uh, friends that are all within the same area. But a lot of them are in different parts of the world, and they they don't get the chance to train together often. So they they might get together only when they get to a race. Um, but yeah, so there's there's some challenges, but it's a cool sport, very fun. I would I would encourage anybody to like do a Google search for Expedition Alaska. We have some videos out there of the race that are pretty eye-opening. 
Yeah, it looks cool. It does look cool. I'm more the recreational type. I do a lot of the backpacking stuff, but not not a lot of races or marathons or adventure racing or anything like that. But they do seem interesting. Well, I get that because I'm not. I don't compete that often either. I do occasionally a running race, or uh, I did a tough mutter this summer with some friends. Um, I run pretty much every day and ride and cycle, but a lot of it's just to stay in shape to do the other things I love. Um, you know, like the trekking. You want to go out and uh, hit the trail and yeah. suffer as little <laughs> as possible while you're out there. So it helps to be in better shape when you're out there. Yeah, of course. And with my, with my job being a, uh, adventure travel writer, um, you know, I never know where I'm going to maybe be going next and it just helps to be in decent shape to go off and do things. You know? <laughs> yeah. How does that work with the freelance thing? Are you on assignment a lot or? Yeah, um, I generally have a number of outlets that I contribute to. So when somebody invites me to come somewhere on a trip of some kind, they already know that I have outlets that I'll be able to cover that trip for. Yeah. Uh, plus my own, the Adventure Blog is a great outlet for that too. I, yeah, it's fantastic. I have, yeah, I have a really great audience and they're very responsive and they are into the things that I'm writing about. So if I come home and write about, I just wrote a, a story last week about um, a trip I did to Las Vegas couple weeks back that was all about the adventurous stuff to do outside of Vegas. Now you're, I don't know how your thoughts on Vegas, but generally it's <laughs> not a place where it's not high on my list of first places to go. You know, when you ask my favorite destinations in the U S Yellowstone comes up, not Vegas, yeah, but, but the um, Grand Canyon's right there. Well, and, and there's a lot of stuff with, you can use Vegas as your home base yeah. and that's the state of Nevada invited some travel writers and um, photographers and stuff to come out. And we stayed in Vegas, but we were every day we went out and we went mountain biking and we went hiking and ATVing in the backcountry and uh, rock climbing in Red Rocks, you know. So there's just amazing stuff to do a short distance from there. And I'm lucky enough to have a job where people invite me to come do those things, then come home and write about it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I would love something like that. Um, I am have a day office job a desk job doing drafting and designing work and then just spend my free time doing the adventure stuff the backpacking stuff and so i don't get out as much as you do obviously but i try to as much as i can and live vicariously through others online a lot prior to starting the adventure blog and like um a few years ago, like I said, going full-time writing, I worked IT. <laughs> so <laughs> I understood, you know, you, you go to work every day and you do your job and you live for those times where you can get out and do the things you really love. Um, fortunately, over time, I've been able to kind of convert that into my to my job. Yeah, that's the dream one day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> your recent trip, you said you went to Vegas. Is there, mm -hmm. do you get to Colorado much? Do you get, you said Montana is one of your favorite places. Yep. Um, did you get up to Glacier much or? Glacier, been to Glacier. It's, um, I, I always tell people you go to Yellowstone for the wildlife and you go to Glacier for the landscapes because the scenery is just uh, drop dead gorgeous up there. Uh, and that's on our destination list for next fall. If we, uh, if my wife and I can get this trip together and head out that way, she, like I said, she's never been out there. So, but Glacier is one of my favorites. I, I love the American West is just yeah. a beautiful place to be. Um, Colorado is fantastic, and I get out there usually a couple times a year. Everybody knows about Colorado. And it seems <laughs> you know, to be like, more and more crowded every time I go. Yeah, I mean, you know, Boulder is the epicenter of the outdoor world for a lot of things. Yeah. You know, like it's just <laughs> one of those destinations everybody wants to be in. Um, so 
Colorado doesn't, I mean, they don't really need a lot of publicity. They No, they, they've, uh, they've got the market cornered almost. Pretty well. You know, they, I think it's probably the number one outdoor state in terms of where people want to go and go do things, you know. Um, occasionally, like last year, I did a mountain biking trip to um, Crested Butte, which was fantastic. Uh, I've been out to, um, on a off-roading trip into uh, some of the other areas of the state. And just, you know, there's just so much to offer there. But I feel like, there's a couple of states like um, Idaho and Montana to a degree that are a little more overlooked. They're, they they have spectacular stuff. Yeah, yeah, but they don't get as much attention. Utah is fantastic because it has all the great, has some really great national parks there as well. Um, usually, spend a couple get get to Utah a couple times a year as well, and it's beautiful. But I feel like some of those places are they get a lot of attention, yeah. and it's kind of fun to shine the light on on. Uh, one of the, some of the other places that are a little lesser known. So you did the Alaska Adventure Race. You did photography or filming for it? I was the media director, so I helped uh, drum up publicity and okay. uh, provide stories. And I worked with um, re- other writers and reporters and helped them get their stories and helped to um, to uh, publicize the race all over the world. We had uh, uh, reporters from you know the UK, from Japan, from all over the place that came to cover it. And that was my job was to make sure that they had what they needed and to get the word out to outlets all over the place. I, I've always wanted to get up to Alaska. I didn't know if you got a chance to go and visit the race while it was taking place. <laughs> yeah. So I've been to Alaska a couple of times and it, <laughs> it is just another world. up is there. It? Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, in addition to being up there for the race in 2015, I've uh, last year, 2016, my wife and I did a cruise on the inside passage Oh, wow. Now, and, you know, before anybody says this adventure travel guy doing a cruise, <laughs> we are definitely not cruise people. And the cruise we went on was with a company called Uncruise that only the ship only has like 60, 70 people on board. And every day, so it's a, it's a small ship and, every, and they can get into places that um, are those giant ships can't go. So every day we would uh, stop somewhere, get off, do some hiking, uh, do sea kayaking, take out the Zodiac inflatable boats and go do tours around these little islands. So we really got a chance to see some really cool stuff, including like every kind of wildlife you could think of. We saw bears, we saw moose, um, whales, different couple of different species of whales. Uh, we, one day while sea kayaking, we had a, um, a seal following us around for about an hour. He just would oh, wow. pop his little head up out of the water and um, <laughs> playfully follow us, you know. It's just another world up there, and the scale of the place is amazing. Uh, I always tell people that, you know, when you go to Colorado, there's something in like 52 or 53 14ers out there, 14,000 feet foot mountains. Yeah, and they're they're huge, you know, and they're great. Um, but you're usually already at seven, eight, nine thousand feet before you even really start step, stepping foot on the mountain. Yeah, in, in Alaska, you can be at sea level and then see these 14. 14ers and up you know there's it's plenty very of, much more dramatic to see him like that yeah. yeah exactly the prominence on the mountain is impressive and the scale is just massive so it's great and then to go into a place like glacier bay which is a, a national park that you have to go into on boat yeah it, it's amazing and because we were on a small ship we could really get in far into it the, the giant cruise ships can't go way up into some of these areas but we were able to get a lot closer to the glaciers and 
get the sense of scale for those as well. Did you see any calving but, on the glaciers or anything? Oh yeah. Oh. Yep. We sure did. <laughs> um, definitely saw that they, they kept us, a, they would tell us to a safe, to keep a safe distance of like, um, I think we had to stay with some of the larger glaciers three miles away yeah. and you look at it and you say, that's three miles away. Cause it's so big. <laughs> and you're like, how, how, how are we not, 200 yards away you know because it's just so big and you're like trying to your brain is trying to take it all in um there was a moment when one of the mornings we got a call from the the captain on the bridge saying that there was moose off of you know the starboard side of the ship or something and everybody comes up and they can bring their cameras and their binoculars and i scrambled out of my cabin and headed over to see this moose and um i'm like where's the moose and and they're pointing they're like it's right there by the shore i'm like I'm not, I'm not seeing it. And they're like, it's right there. See, and they, they, you see that rock? And I'm like, yeah, there's a little brown dot next to it that's moving. And I, then my brain kind of went, oh, you got to get the scale right. The, <laughs> the moose, yeah. yeah, the moose was tiny. The rock next to him was massive. And then everything around him just got bigger from there. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, whoa. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Alaska's just like that. And when we were up there for the race, we actually stayed in the lodge near Denali and the clouds parted and the skies cleared up for a brief instant and we got to see the the summit of denali a few oh, times wow. while we were there which was spectacular it's not easy to see the denali summit any time of the year really i mean it's all, always shrouded in clouds uh part of the reason why that mountain is so tough to climb you know the weather is really super unpredictable there yeah really random from what i've yep. heard yep yep and we got to see it uh when we were there in june so it was the midnight sun so I, I remember i was sitting at a desk working and it was probably midnight or one o'clock and i turned around and looked and it, you know it's still daylight and i can see the mountain and I, I rushed outside almost everybody else was asleep at that point and i rushed outside with my camera to get some great photos of the of the summit it was great nice the the water in alaska always looks like that surreal blue dark color that you never really see in real life was it <laughs> did it come across that way to you or yeah, the water is pristine. Um, on the inside passage in particular, it's super clear. Uh, you know, it's something right out of a postcard. Um, and it's great when you're spotting whales. We saw both humpbacks and uh, orcas while we were there. And just being able to see them cruising along in the water alongside of you um, is great. It's just an amazing place. And it, for anybody who's an outdoor lover, you got to get to Alaska. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a trip it's a special a place. Yep, definitely a special place. We're planning a road trip one year to go up to Banff and then hit up Alaska afterwards. One day. That'll be a that'll be a heck of a road trip. Yeah. Where, where are you where are you based on? We live in Omaha, Nebraska. So we're oh, kind of in the middle of nothingness right now. But... I grew up in Iowa oh, and okay. uh, lived in Des Moines for a long time. So, so you understand. not too far. Yep, not too far from where you're at. Yeah. So it's about eight hours away to Denver, eight hours away to Minnesota, anywhere is about eight hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that'll be a quite a road trip because it's a long ways just to get to, you know, Seattle, let alone drive up through Canada and into Alaska. And Alaska is such a massive place that once you get there, you, you know, you just started your drive. Yeah, last year we did a road trip to Vancouver from here. And that was pretty intense. And then we went down south through Washington and Oregon and then back through uh, Utah and w hit up Moab and uh, just drove straight home after Moab. Sounds like a great trip. Yeah. Moab's Moab's pretty awesome. Uh, great mountain bike place and uh, good hiking. 
we only spent about eight hours in Moab. We did the arches, and that's all we were able to see in that time. Oh, that's not a bad yeah. bad place to see. No, it was beautiful. So are you mainly focused on the adventure racing thing now, or do you do other backpacking-type adventures or anything along that line? No, I don't. I personally don't do a whole lot of adventure racing. I'm, I'm more um, into the backpacking, the, the tr- adventure travel, you know, bike packing, whatever kind of gets me outside. Yeah. Um, the adventure racing is more of a side thing that I love and I love to follow it, but it's um, not where my, uh, my adventures take me in for the most part. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So um, then do you have anything on the horizon coming up or? Um, I don't too much yet. It usually gets pretty quiet this time of year as we come into the holidays um, and then things start to get busier. Uh, after the first of the year and I, and things start to pick up at the moment, I have a pretty clear calendar going into 2018. I have a few things, potential things pending. Um, and then the trip that I've mentioned a couple of times with my wife out yeah. to out West is kind of more of a personal trip that will, I'm sure turn into, I'm sure I'll get plenty of content to write about and talk about <laughs> from a trip like that. But, um, uh, a lot of it's it's interesting because of my I can start a new year without too much on my calendar and then it quickly fills up pretty fast um, as as uh, everybody else starts to plan their what they want to accomplish this you know yeah. in 2018 so I would imagine after the first of the year I'll start to fill my calendar in a bit my my calendar right now looks like um, the first week of January I'm off to ski and snowboard and um, maybe do some snowshoeing in North Carolina. Oh, beautiful. And then, yeah. And then um, outdoor retailer in Denver in uh, at the end of the month, which is, you know, the, the big gear show. Yeah. Um, that's if you haven't been there yet, uh, you should you should put it on your agenda because it's a blast. And it's a great place to make a lot of contacts and oh, nice. meet cool people. Yeah, for sure. The, that's the winner one, right? Yeah, the winter one, they call it the winter outdoor retailer and ski show now. And then the summer one will be in June this year. Uh, that one's bigger and even more, probably more up your alley. Yeah, for um, sure. They moved it out of Utah because of the whole controversy. Is it going to be in Denver as well? Yeah, so Colorado doesn't have the same controversies going on as Utah no. did. <laughs> so um, I think it's they, they've settled into Denver for, for a while for now. I th- yeah, for the, all the shows will be there. That was a huge um, issue in the industry with everybody dealing with the bear's ears and the the fallout from that whole situation. And when the governor of Utah requested that president Trump uh, reduce the size or, or even eliminate the national monument status for the bear's ears, they decided to, to the the outdoor industry decided to kind of use the only stick they had, which was, we could, we'll take our multi-million dollar convention and go elsewhere. And and they have, so, um, this will be the first time in Denver. Should be should be interesting to see how it plays out there. So, how did you start the adventure blog, and how did you get into all this? Well, the the adventure blog came about from a conversation I had with a friend who basically said all the cool things in the world have been done. You know, we've climbed all the mountains, we've gone to these remote places. Everybody's everything's been explored, and I and I told him that's crazy. There's a lot of cool stuff going on out there, and um, there's a lot of things that to be done yet. So at the time when I started the adventure blog, blogs were kind of a newish thing. I won't say they were new, but they were newish. And they were, they were kind of brought to the forefront in the early two thousands with the the election 
2004, the election cycle and things like that. Yeah. Um, everybody was talking about bloggers and what, what are bloggers now? <laughs> so I uh, just started up a blog to, to kind of see what it was all about. And I decided if I was going to start one, I was going to write about the things that I really love and I'm passionate about and enjoy doing. And I was already traveling and visiting some pretty cool places in the U.S. and other parts of the world and and was kind of enthralled with the uh, the mountaineering, you know, scene. I follow what goes on on Everest pretty closely every year. But then, like, uh, uh, right now, the Antarctic expedition season is taking place with people skiing to the South Pole. And, yeah. You know, and a, a lot of people don't even realize that you can do these things. You know, Everest is – everybody knows about Everest. It gets plenty of publicity, and everybody – you know, there's movies made about it, and there's books, and every year there's stories about how many people died and all this stuff going on. But there's a lot of other cool expeditions and exploration and just cool outdoor things people are doing that people don't always know about. You know, like um, when you tell people, talk to people about ultra running, for instance, you know, that these folks that will take off and run 100 miles. And <laughs> that just blows people's minds, you know, that yeah, they're like, what? <laughs> I heard about one recently that was like 230 or 260 miles. Yeah, and they're usually oh. in super extreme places. You know, there's yeah. one in uh, Death Valley every year called the Badwater Ultra Marathon. That's you know, it's the temperature is 120 degrees, and these guys are running through some of the worst conditions, and it goes on for, for you know, hours on end. And uh, so there's events like that. So I just started kind of following those kind of things or writing about those kinds of things, um, and not just those kind of extreme things. Like uh, if you've seen, I write about. Uh, people on the Appalachian Trail or the PCT yeah. or, you know, uh, usually if somebody's doing something really unique or uh, I've had uh, mountain biking up and down Kilimanjaro, for instance, or just things like that. It's not always about these extreme people that we can't relate to because we're, we'll never be able to do the same <laughs> yeah. things they do. Um, but it is a little bit hopefully trying to give some people some inspiration to get outside and, and uh, visit these places and, and maybe find a challenge of their own and just kind of in, embrace the outdoor world. So is the South pole adventure race, uh, on your bucket list too, or Everest <laughs> or anything? Um, I would absolutely love to ski to them. Um, I know people are like, what, <laughs> why would you <laughs> want to do that? You know, um, there are some marathons that take place on Antarctica every yeah. year. Um, I don't know that there's never been an adventure race down there, but, uh, um, there have been some down in Patagonia way at the remote end of South America that are pretty wild and crazy. I saw but, some uh, video series on an adventure race to the South Pole. I don't know who put that on and it looked pretty well supported though. Yeah, um, there was an event, I think it was it was either 2016, um, yeah, 2016 or 2015, I forget off the top of my head, but where there were three teams that were kind of in a race to the South Pole. It wasn't super competitive, but they were, they each had a, I think they each had a, a charity that they were kind of contributing for and yeah. um, they were all trying to get there. But I'm not aware of any organized adventure race to the South Pole. So if you have a, a link to that or some info on that, I'd love, send it my way. I'd love to check it out. That yeah, sounds, I'll try and find amazing. it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the challenge of skiing solo, well, it'd be, hard to solo. I'd love to have some friends come along with me, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, it's a 500 mile ski to the South pole from the, the standard starting spot in Hercules Inlet. Uh, you got to drag that heavy sled behind you the whole time. It's got all your gear with you. You know, um, 
I know that sounds probably horrible for most people, but it sounds like a, a, a really cool a blast, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Like a great adventure. Anything that I love stuff that gets me out to these remote places where not very many people are or have been and just can kind of uh, do things that not, not a lot of people get, are lucky enough to get a chance to do. That trail in Nepal is on my bucket list, but not Everest in itself. Yeah. The uh, Everest Space Camp trek. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've done that one, and it's oh, it's nice. a great trip. Yeah, um, I, I I would probably be there right there with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the I'm I'm probably giving too much away, but on our podcast this week, we're going to talk about the uh, the costs of climbing Everest yeah. and how expensive. And when I when I talk to people, there's two things that when I talk about Everest, there's two things that blow their mind: one, how much it costs, and two, how long it takes. Because yeah. you can, it, it's normally about uh, two months worth of time that you have to dedicate, and you know, fifty, sixty grand to to climb it. But it, anybody that's just for the license, right? Uh, the license is ten grand okay. a piece. So I thought they were um, raising that recently. They they raised it within the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. Like sixty, sixty five grand is pretty common for uh, an expedition there. And that's that doesn't include your gear, which <laughs> is gonna be expensive, you know. Yeah. But the trek to ever space camp is far more reasonable. you could do that for, you know, a couple couple grand. And yeah. um, it's a, a an amazing walk. The mountains there are spectacular. We were talking about the sense of scale in Alaska. In Nepal, it's another level completely because when you think about the the highest mountains in uh, Alaska, like Denali, you're talking another seven, 8,000 feet on top of that, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're walking right through it. Um, if you, the altitude can be an issue. So you kind of, you want to take a trek that gives you some time to acclimate properly, but yeah. it's, it's beautiful. And I recommend it to anybody. Oh man. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Definitely needs to be on your list. That that one. And I've done uh, Kilimanjaro and now that, that's another you know, bucket list trek to the summit of Kilimanjaro in Africa. And uh, it's worth it too. Definitely a, a life affirming kind of thing where you're at the summit and, um, you know, highest point in Africa. Do you have a, like a small list of accomplishments or anything that you know off the top of your head? Of the things that I've done? Yeah. Well, definitely uh, Kilimanjaro is right up there. Okay. Uh, love that. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to base camp once. Um, I, I I need to go back to Nepal and do some more trekking there. I'd like to hit the Annapurna circuit, but the Everest base camp was a was a big one, uh, well worth a visit. You know, I've just got, have been, like I said, very lucky to do a lot of cool things. Earlier this year, I was down in the Antarctic in on an island called South Georgia. That's not quite all the way to the Antarctic continent, but you're in the Southern Ocean, and I got a chance to uh, trek part of the Shackleton route. If you know the uh, Ernest Shackleton story, yeah. survival story, um, that was pretty awesome. I really fell in love with that. Um, I've uh, been lucky to backpack and hike in a lot of different places all over the world. Down in uh, Australia, I hiked the uh, Larapinta Trail in the outback, which was fantastic. Um, you know, I've snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef and um, have camped in the Sahara Desert and <laughs> Uh, hiked in the Andes, climbed some volcanoes in Chile. I, I, Done just about everything, huh? <laughs> well, there's always more to do, but um, you know, with my job, I get to get to go do cool things, and uh, it's it's pretty great. 
are you a fan of any of the long trails like the PCT or the Appalachian Trail or? Yeah, and I've had a chance to walk segments of those. Uh, particularly, yeah. I was out in the Desolation Wilderness in uh, Tahoe earlier this year, and we walked a small part of the Pacific Crest Trail out there. I would, uh, it's never been a, an ambition of mine to do the full length. The full but I multi-month would, trips? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you know, the, the whole through hike end to end. Yeah. Um, but I definitely would like to spend more time on, on both of those and the, the Continental Divide Trail as well to just kind of get a better sense for of all of them um i haven't done anything on the cdt but i've had a little bit of time on the appalachian trail and the and the pct and would love to do more there those are i mean we're blessed here in the states to have yeah. such great long distance trails like that here at our disposal and they're you know people do them every year they do it end to end every year and it's it's a great accomplishment and they're trying to connect more of them and make more of them and yep yeah. yep yeah, That's we're crazy. we're spoiled. Like there's um, other long distance trails in other parts of the world, of course, but I don't think that they're as well developed. Um, I hear New know, Zealand's is pretty great. Yeah, the the treks in New Zealand are supposed to be awesome. I haven't yeah. been to New Zealand yet, so that's a place that's kind of on my list to get to. For sure. Um, you know, it's well known for its uh, its different hikes, and they've got some great stuff there. But like the in Nepal, they have the Great Himalayan Trail, which stretches for a thousand miles across the Himalaya. Across, pretty much goes across the entire country and it would be a tremendous trek you know a thousand miles is only like a third of the, <laughs> the pct you know yeah. uh, but you're doing i think the average altitude is at like twelve thousand feet or something and It'd uh, be a it's pretty not tough trek, yeah yeah and it's not super developed you're you don't have um there's not very many towns and villages along the way yet. They're still working on it. They're working on getting it more developed so that there's places for people to stop and um, get a place to stay, you know, when they want to or resupply or whatever. On the eighth, um, on the AT, it's really easy to plan those things where you want to get on and off and where you can pick up supplies and, and all that stuff, which makes it very much more approachable. Yeah. And there's tons of guidebooks and tons of information on all those well-developed trails. For sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. How about you? Have you done anything on the AT or the PCT? Or? I've done like small section trails, like a few miles. It's nothing major, but I've done like uh, up in Minnesota, there's a border route trail that's part of the Superior Hiking Trail that connects up and I've done that. Mm -hmm. I'm never able to get enough time off to go do one of those multi-month trails or anything. Yeah, that's the hard part. Even, you know, for me, I, if I'm not riding, I'm not working, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not getting paid. So to do one of those really long sections is really hard. Uh, it's, it'd be a, a cool undertaking. Yeah. But I don't know that I want to be three or four months gone for or three or four months on, yeah. on a single trail. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I like, I like that I have the opportunity to, you know, one month I might be uh, dog sledding in Quebec <laughs> and snowshoeing up there. And then the next, uh, you know, a few weeks later, I might be um, paddling in Baja and, um, you know, come home for a little bit and then I'm off to the Antarctic and then I'm, you know, it's, I like having this, uh, these different opportunities to see and do different things. Yeah. And you can't sit, be stuck somewhere for three months and do all those amazing things. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So it's nice. I like the variety. Um, uh, you know, I would, as I said, I would love to spend some more time on those trails and get to know them a little better. I I've just had samplings like you, yeah. like you've said, and, um, all they, all that does is give you a little hint at how great those places are, but uh, it's a blessing of riches for those of us in the States who enjoy being outside. 
Yeah, the the next big trip I'm planning is the John Muir Trail. I think just a month on it or so. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, but that's a pretty good amount of time. You should you probably be able to knock out a good chunk of it, if not all of it, in that time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that that's a beautiful section. Have you been to Yosemite? Uh, no, I have not. That's why it's on my bucket list to go through. Oh, it's wonderful out there. <laughs> There's a reason why it's got you know such a reputation. Um, we did. Uh, my wife got to come along with me. I did it. I was invited to stay in three different national park lodges in California a few years, a couple years back, and we got to go to um, Kings Canyon, Sequoia, and Yosemite National Parks. And, oh, beautiful! Uh, yeah, and spent a, a little bit of time in each one of them, and. It, they're great. We really loved Kings Canyon, partly because it's a, a lot less crowded than Yosemite. Although, once you get off the beaten path in Yosemite, it's it's easier. You know, the, you get out of the parking lots and get away from the valley. It, it's a lot quieter. But the when you first get there, you're like, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot of people here. <laughs> That's how I feel but like Colorado is most of the time, too. Once you get out, then it's nothingness. Nobody's out yeah. there. Same in the Yellowstone. Um, if you... If you go on a trail, if you go a mile down the trail, you'll pretty much leave everybody else behind. Yeah, you know, the, the, the traffic was pretty bad in Yellowstone. I was surprised. Yeah. Um, did you go in summer, obviously? Uh, we went in the spring. Like June? No. Nah, spring. Like yeah. June-ish. Yeah, so after Memorial Day, between Memorial Day and Labor Day is when it gets crowded. the craziest yeah. there. Um, I like to say that you haven't seen Yellowstone until you've been there in winter. Yes. Uh, there's nobody there in winter and it's fantastic. It's so beautiful. And all the wildlife comes down from altitude and you can spot the bears are usually hibernating by that point, but you'll spot the wolves. You'll, um, you'll get to see the bison and the elk and, you know, red foxes. Everything shows up, just blazes out in the, in the white snow. Yeah. It just stands out. Yeah. It's just so great. And there's, you know, go snowshoeing or, um, you can do, uh, snowmobiling. I, I, that's okay. Like I do, I, I've done that before, but I prefer to be on, on foot. The cross country ski or? I've done some of that. Yeah. And I actually, there's a, the trail in West Yellowstone is where the, uh, the, the U S Olympic team trains for uh, um, like biathlon and cross country skiing and things like that. So there's some amazing cross country trails right there, uh, which is pretty fun. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I love it out there so much. It's such a great place. We did get to see a ton of wildlife, but everywhere there was a ton of wildlife, there was a ton of people just stopped yeah. alongside the road and yeah. gawking. Yeah. Did you have a bison jam where the bisons are walking down the middle of the road? Yeah, we had a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> those are natural. They they happen all the time. Yeah. We're when we go, we're aiming to um to go after Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, so that we uh the maybe cut down seasons. the crowds a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut down the crowd a little bit. Yeah. So definitely worth it. All right. Do you want to plug your site and your uh, podcast and everything? Uh, yeah. The, the, the blog is called The Adventure Blog. It's at theadventureblog.blogspot.com. I always recommend people just Google The Adventure Blog and they'll find it pretty quickly. Yeah, first and the pod- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Google's the best, right? Um, and the podcast is called, uh, creatively enough, The Adventure Podcast. And uh, we have it out there on iTunes, Google Play Store, and Stitcher. And we're, we should be having, we're, we hope to ramp up to close to weekly episodes. If I'm on the road, it might be a little challenging, but, we, but we're going to plan on doing as much close to weekly episodes as we can moving forward. Uh, so look for new episodes coming very, very soon. Yeah, the inaugural episode was awesome and everything. And I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more from you guys. 
Thanks. And uh, we appreciate you gave us some really good feedback on uh, some technical issues that we uh, took into account. And I think we've got those ironed out. The feedback on content has been great. Everybody yeah. has really enjoyed our content that we had so far and we hope to keep bringing that. Um, but you know, we're, we're still ironing out a few little, little production issues, but we're getting there. Yeah. If you have, if you have any questions or anything, let me know. I've done quite a few podcasts in my time. Perfect. I'll, I might be uh, picking your brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else you'd like to cover or anything? Nope. I'm good. You, if right. you have anything you want to ask, go ahead. Otherwise I'm, I'm in good. No, I think I'm great. This was fantastic. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for, you know, uh, reading the blog and being a fan. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope to get that thing up and going. And I appreciate your, your being a fan of the blog. Thank you very much for your time. Cool, man. Thank you. And happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays.